Hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you, the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan, contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show, and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information, on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. To Curry. Don't foul him as Curry fires a three. He missed it. Loose ball tip. Grabbed by Spades. Spades fires. And this one is over. Believe it, Cleveland. Savor it. Soak it in. The kid from Akron has come home. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. And the impossible dream has come true. The drought is over. The curse destroyed. 52 years of torment and anguish has been washed away. The greatest comeback in NBA Finals history is complete. Five decades of championship futility has been erased. Make no mistake about it. June 19th, 2016 is a day that will go down as one of the greatest days in the history of Cleveland sports. And oh, hey, one other thing, Cleveland. Let the party begin. If Cleveland comes out of the East, I want to destroy Cleveland. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. But I also know that there are steps to get to that point. And if and when we get to that point, I want to annihilate them. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now, how the hell are you doing? My name is Jay Scott Smith and this is episode 41 of the People's Podcast. This is Jay S.C. Radio. What the hell's going on with you as we enter the month of June? We are officially halfway through 2017. It's strange that we're officially six months into the year and it feels like we're 18 months into the year with all of this foolishness, silliness, and confever going on in this country. Once again, 
You can get at this show on jscottsmith.com, the mothership, ladies and gentlemen. Be sure to get on that site and check that out. Got some big things coming in the month of June and this summer on jscottsmith.com. You can follow me on Twitter at jscottsmith. You can follow the show on Twitter at JSC Radio. You can get at me on Instagram at jscottsmith, SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash J. Scott Smith. Be sure to hit me up on iTunes, better known as Apple Podcasts. Just search JSC Radio. We're also on Stitcher and on Google Play under JSC Radio. I'm also on Facebook, Real J. Scott Smith Original. So you know what this is. Welcome to the month of June. We're just on the other side of the Memorial Day weekend. And coming up tonight, it's round Damn three. It's the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers in the 2017 NBA Finals. The third consecutive damn year we get these two teams who are so passive aggressive in their disdain for each other. It's almost laughable if it were anybody else. Oh, and one other thing. I also want to shout out my man, Doc Illingsworth. He's going to be presenting essentially the soundtrack for this show for a while. And if you, that's right, you, want to get your music here on JSC Radio, hit us up at Jason at jscottsmith.com. Shoot me a sample of your music, beats only, please. And we'll see what we can do for you. So, yeah, as I was saying, the NBA Finals jump off tonight. Third straight year. Warriors. Cavaliers. Warriors won in 2015. Beat the Cavs in six games. Last year, we all know what happened. You heard it at the start of the show there. Warriors had a 3-1 lead going back to Oakland, but without Draymond Green, with an injured Andre Iguodala, and and Andrew Bogut, who is perpetually hurt, getting hurt again down the stretch. LeBron James went Super Saiyan, and somehow, someway, the Cavaliers won the NBA championship. And yes, I can also make reference to the injuries that the Cavaliers were going through because that's the big-ass excuse that the Cavaliers had two years ago is that Irving got hurt in love who would miss most of the playoffs because Kelly Olynyk yanked his arm out of socket in round one. But Cavalier fans don't like to acknowledge the Warriors lost Draymond Green for a game as well as lost Andre Iguodala and Andrew Bogan. So now here we are, third go-round, Golden State, Cleveland, NBA Finals. What's different? Well, coming into this year, well, last year, you remember, it was all about the Warriors. They were coming off the 73-win season, and then they kind of stumbled and struggled a little bit in the playoffs and had to turn their own 3-1 trick in the Western Conference Finals to get to the NBA Finals, to go up 3-1 to blow that and lose the NBA championship. Along the way, as you know, we talked about back in episode 13, Kevin Durant joined the team as a free agent. And the Warriors, by the way, won 67 games this year. Only can the Golden State Warriors win 67 games and that be seen as a slip from the year before. 67 wins, which is three more wins than any great Piston team has ever had in its franchise history, to put that in perspective. The Warriors come into the playoffs, and they've dominated. Three consecutive sweeps. 
swept Portland in the first round, Jazz in the second round, Spurs in the conference finals. In the East, Cavaliers, back-to-back sweeps of the Pacers, including a game where they had to come from 26 down to win. And then they swept Toronto, who looked even less imposing than they did last year in the conference finals, which I still maintain, I've never seen a series go six games, but one team so totally outclassed the other as Cleveland did Toronto last year. Well, Cleveland didn't waste any time this year, and they just broomed Toronto on out. They got the first two games in incredible fashion in Boston. Won the first two games by a combined 55 points. They won game two by 42 points. At one point, they led that game 110-60. to That's a 50-point lead. Fitty! How you gonna get a 50-burger dropped on you at home in the conference finals? I get Boston may not have been as good, despite having a better record, may not have been as good as the Cavaliers. But to get your ass kicked in the first game and then chase that with a total annihilation in the second game, and then to have the nerve to go out and win the third game in Cleveland, Now, I put a lot more of that on the Cavaliers than anything else. In a five-game series, Boston played one complete game. The only problem was it was the second half of the third game and the first half of the fourth game. Cleveland beat them like they stole something the entire series. And it wasn't even close. The fact that Boston got a win in that series is almost as insulting as the fact that Cleveland was up at one point, by Fiddy in Boston in Game 2. And that's led to a lot of consternation and a lot of whining about parity in the NBA. About, it's not fair. The league, there's no parity. There's there's just these two really good teams, these two great teams, and then everybody else is struggling. Guess what? It's just about always been that way in the NBA. To be honest with you, I can't think of too many occasions when the NBA didn't have those two alpha male type teams. In my lifetime, I've brought this up before. During the 1980s, there were two teams that won the Western Conference Championship in the entire decade. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Houston Rockets. The Rockets won the West in 1981 with a losing record, by the way in 1981 and 1986. All the rest of those years, the Lakers won it. All of them. The Lakers won the West in 1980. 1982, 1983, 1984, 1985, 1987, 1988, and 1989. Every year in the 80s, save for 81 and 86, the Lakers were in the NBA Finals. In the East, it wasn't much different. In the early, it was really a tale of two parts of the decade. The first part of the decade was Boston and Philadelphia getting at each other. It was the the Sixers and Celtics trading off. The latter half of the decade, it was the Celtics and Pistons trading off. Philly fell out of the table. Philly fell off the table. The Pistons jumped in and took their spot. And at the very end of the decade, Boston fell off and then came Chicago. But in the NBA in the East, 
In the 1980s, there were only three Eastern Conference champions. The Celtics, the 76ers, and the Pistons. And that was it. And the Pistons were 88 and 89. <laughs> They're back into the decade. So this idea that there's there's no parity in the NBA and these super teams are bad for the league, that's bullshit. It's garbage. It always has been. In the 1990s, it was the Chicago Bulls Invitational, save for 1994 and 1995 when Michael Jordan had to uh, go play baseball for a couple years, if you, if you know what I'm saying. And the league was just fine in the 90s, where every year, save for, of course, those aforementioned two, plus 1999, and 1990, since, you know, Pistons were kind of the carryover from the 80s there, it was Jordan against insert Western Conference team here. He won six championships and beat five different teams to do it. Beat the Lakers once, beat Portland, beat Phoenix, took out Seattle, and then the last two, they went back-to-back on the Jazz. And one could argue, had Jordan not taken his little hiatus in the middle of the decade, you're looking at a Celtics-like eight consecutive championships because I don't think either of those Rocket teams has beaten the, beaten the Chicago Bulls. The 94 team would have pushed them to maybe six or seven. But there's no way that those Rockets win those two championships if Jordan plays the entire decade. So let's just keep it real. One dominant team, a couple of really good teams out west, maybe three or four, and that's about it. Guess what? That's what we've got right now. What you saw in the 2000s, where the Lakers and Spurs, and even then when you think about it, in the 2000s, previous decade, it was the Lakers, Spurs, and just to change things up a little, Dallas. And that was it. It was those three out of the West. In the East, it was a little bit more volatile, where you had the New Jersey Nets and the Detroit Pistons and the Miami Heat, and then eventually coming back around to the old guard is the damn Boston Celtics, and even Orlando slipped in there at some point, which seems crazy now by comparison. That was about as close as you were going to get to some semblance of parity in the NBA, where all the shape-shifting, and that was before LeBron went to Miami and then back to Cleveland. And Cleveland was another one. I forgot Cleveland. I try to forget about 2007, no matter how much they keep reminding me of that damn Eastern Conference Final from 2007, when the Pistons decided they just weren't going to even attempt to guard LeBron James, and he just ran roughshod through the whole damn team in a very winnable fifth game. All it's going to do is piss me off even more, so I don't even bring that back up. But there's all this whining about how it's not good for the game to have two dominant teams. That's BS. That's how the NBA was able to thrive when there were two dominant teams. The only difference is, it's just not the two teams you want to be dominant. It's not the Lakers and Celtics. Hell, it's not even the Bulls and the Lakers. It's not, it's not any of that. You got the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And please understand, I hate everything that the city of Cleveland stands for. It makes me physically ill to think that the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA championship last year. They're a damn good team. And they've earned that spot. Same thing goes for the Warriors. They've earned that spot. You can, you can piss and moan about parody and about all, all this nonsense when really it, it's everything was building to this anyway. Would you really had wanted to see the Boston Celtics somehow swipe 
the Eastern Conference title from Cleveland and go to the finals and get their head kicked in by the Warriors? No, you wouldn't. Because essentially, that's what it would be. Would you really want to see a hobbled San Antonio team get their last rights read to them by LeBron? No, you wouldn't. Just like last year, you didn't want to see Oklahoma City play Cleveland in the finals. Don't act like you did. You know you really want these two teams. I made the case in episode 13, this whining and pissing and moaning about, oh, if if this were the 80s, they wouldn't have left to go join super teams. Well, no, because every team that was worth a damn had at least three to five future Hall of Famers on it. Lakers, Sixers, Pistons, Celtics, Rockets. They all had multiple future Hall of Famers already there. Hell, the Rockets and 76ers traded one of them. (laughs) So I don't want to hear that. Stop. That's lame. And it's short-sighted and it's lazy. And that'll bring me back to this other point. I mentioned Oklahoma City last year. And... For very obvious reasons, Oklahoma City, as we talked about in the episode where I made the very obvious case for Russell Westbrook to be your MVP, your regular season MVP, and I'll get to that in a second, that Kevin Durant jumped ship on Oklahoma City, went to the Golden State Warriors. And as I made very expressively clear in not only episode 13, but multiple times since then, I have zero issue with him leaving. In fact, I applauded him for leaving. I applauded it. He would have been a damn fool to stay in Oklahoma City. For what? To make you happy? Huh? To make you happy there, Snowflake? Huh? Screw that. Trying to win. As a great man once said, This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Hello? And and I will go back to this point again and again and again. And I'll get to what Kevin Durant said in USA Today in a second too. Kevin Durant did what was best for Kevin Durant. He doesn't owe you an apology. He doesn't owe you an explanation. And he sure as hell doesn't owe you any loyalty. The Thunder could have shipped him out, traded him, released him whenever they saw fit. The Thunder could have done to him what the Celtics did to Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Jason Terry when they wore out their usefulness. Ship them off to some shithole team and get a bunch of draft picks back. That's exactly what Boston did. And they ended up hitting the jackpot because they shipped them off to Brooklyn where the Nets basically got that bounty full of Celtics and turned it into seven playoff wins. Total. They won one playoff series and got their ass kicked by Miami. The team that they were trying to posse up to beat, clobbered them. Took them behind the woodshed. That's what the Thunder could have done to Kevin Durant if they just figured that he'd outlived his usefulness. So don't give me this BS that he owed them, or he owed Oklahoma City, or he owed you, or he owed any fans, or he owed anybody else anything. He didn't owe them a damn thing. Hello? If it came down to it, if I knew I had an opportunity to win and make a boatload of money, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get my ass up. 
I'm pack up my shit and I'm gonna move up to the Bay Area. And as I mentioned before, would you have been happier if he went to, say, Cleveland? Would you have been happier if he went to New York? If you would you have been happier if he went to Orlando? For fuck's sake, stop. Stop it now. Get over it. He left. It happens. It was going to happen anyway. I applaud him. He owes you nan apology. He owes you nan sort of consideration for your hurt ass feelings. So stop it. Durant said as much in the USA Today piece. Quote, I'm at peace with myself as a basketball player, most importantly. I think this move, the criticism that comes with this move, has made me zero in on what's more important. And that's just playing basketball, working out every day, getting better, enjoying every single day as a basketball player. It made me really appreciate that. It made me go back to that. When you listen to the nonsense and when you start to really let it take control of your thoughts, that's not good. You know what I'm saying? So I just got back to the game. It's, I mean, when you hear that, I can't help but be happy for it. By the way, he averaged 25 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and a little over a block per game. The Warriors are undefeated going into the finals. Guess what? That's what you want. So yeah, Durant has had to put up with idiots yelling from behind the bench calling him a bitch. Which of course is something they would never say to him if they saw him on the street. Durant's response, why are you this upset? That's what I was thinking. And that's why I was talking back to him. It's like, why are you so mad again? What's so important about this that you want to call me all these disrespectful names? That shit doesn't fly where I'm from. Where any of us are from. If he walked up on you and said that to you, you would confront him. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And here's the other thing, as I mentioned about the parody. And this is something that the Cavaliers and the Warriors have kind of snapped back at in this aspect. Quote, and this is Kevin Durant, who has more and more become my favorite heel promo in the NBA. Quote, like I'm the reason why effing Orlando couldn't make the playoffs for five, six years in a row. Am I the reason that Brooklyn gave all their picks to Boston? Like I'm the reason that they're not that good? I can't play for every team, so the truth of the matter is I left one. It's one more team that you probably would have thought would have been a contender. One more team. I couldn't have made the entire East better. I couldn't have made everybody else in the West better. So you're saying it's not been fun watching as a fan? Well, I mean, I don't know. You watched the, you know, you watched the game last night? or I mean, you can only talk about this. I'm sure it's fun to play. Yeah, if I was on the team that was up 40 points, I, I wouldn't. You know, you got to give them credit for being up 40 points. And, you know, they, they went out there and dominated. So, you know, that's what you want to do every time you step on the court. So I'm sure they're excited about it. Um, but the fans, you know, they always want to see a tight game. They want to see a buzzer beater every game. But... You know, it's not like that sometimes. And, you know, every year has been um, – you have your years where you have great playoff series, four or five game sevens, and then some years you have what you see this playoffs. But as players, we want to go out there and win as, as by as much as possible um, and play as great as you can. You know, whatever happens, at, you know, with the score, it happens. So relay that to the fans who feel upset. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Point blank. This man did what he had to do for himself. And if you got a problem with that, you're the one who needs to grow up. 
Oh, if he wins a championship, it just proves he can't lead a team. Shut up. He ain't got to prove nothing to you. I'm convinced anybody who insists on these stupid, arbitrary, he's disloyal. Why did he have to join up with them? You're a bunch of babies. Grow up. Grow up. I would have done it. You would have done it. Everybody would have done it. You don't tell me you'd have stayed in a situation where you might have had a, quote, chance to win. And your chance might have been 25 to 30% max to win. Or would you go someplace and up that ante to about 75%, 80%? You can sit here and talk tough and act like, oh, I'd have been loyal. I'd have stuck it out. Shut up. No, you wouldn't have. You'd have gotten up and left like everybody else. And you'd have took the money too. And I wouldn't have been mad at you for doing it. I would. Oh, you're telling me after, if a team just beat you, you'd run up and join them? The shit, if they wanted me. I ain't got that level of idiocy. Because pride will let you do stupid things. Pride will tell you, I'm not going to join up with them. They just beat me. I want to do it myself. Nah. Yeah. And then you end up like Charles Barkley or Patrick Ewing or John Stockton and Carl Malone. And hell, Carl Malone chased the ring and the Pistons whipped his ass when they got to the finals. That's what happens. You can sit here and act like a fake tough guy all you want to. But for God's sake, you got to get over some of this. You got to get over it. Point blank, get over it. Durant sure as hell did. I know Oklahoma City's hurt. This was the year they were allowed to stew. But most of y'all didn't give a damn about Oklahoma City when he was there. So what's your excuse? Stop crying. And one more thing before we go. I did an episode a few weeks back on how Russell Westbrook was the definitive MVP of the league. And he is. Since the MVP is done for your regular season achievements, he is the MVP. LeBron James, in the regular season, did not have an MVP year. He was good. He always is. But yeah, he's probably... The regular season, because you people are slow... During the regular season, I feel like I'm like that SpongeBob picture. During the regular season, he was the fourth best player in the league. During the postseason, LeBron James has been Super Saiyan version of Vegeta. He has been out of his damn mind. He has been the best player on the floor every night, save for the fourth quarter of Game 3 against Boston. He has been the best player on the damn planet. Durant is number two, but a pretty far number two. He's second place, and he ain't close to first. Steph Curry is third, and he ain't close to first. It's been all Bron all the time as soon as the postseason ball went up. Period. I'm man enough to admit that. And that's why, and I brought this up because people want to relitigate the MVP discussion for the regular season because they announced the three finalists because the NBA is doing this whole award show thing that they stole from the NFL who stole it from the NHL. Well, since you want to steal something from the NHL, how about you do this? At the end of the regular season, everybody votes. You get your three guys for the MVP and you give out the awards. But you do it before the NBA Finals. You don't do it afterwards. But you give out the award for MVP. Do it. 
Hell, you had a week off in between the end of the conference finals and the beginning of the NBA finals. You could hold that award show the night before the damn finals start and get it out to whoever you need to get it out to. Then, at the end of the playoffs, the end of the NBA finals, and before you say anything, listen. At the end of the playoffs, or the end of the NBA finals, much like in the NHL, we're at the end of the Stanley Cup finals, finals, they hand out two awards. They hand off the Stanley Cup, which is the, t- the trophy that everybody knows. And they hand off this very big trophy called the Conn Smythe Trophy. The Conn Smythe Trophy is for the playoff MVP. Not the finals MVP, the playoff MVP. It usually goes to the goaltender of the team that won the Stanley Cup because he's the one who's done most of the heavy lifting to get your ass the 16 wins to get the cup. But occasionally, there are players who stood out and won the Conn Smythe Trophy. I remember Henrik Zetterberg won the Conn Smythe Trophy in 2008 when the Red Wings won their last Stanley Cup. But more often than not, it's goaltender who gets the Conn Smythe at the end of it as the playoff MVP for what they've done over the entire stretch of the playoffs. My suggestion is, at the end of the NBA Finals, you give out, of course, the Larry O'Brien Trophy for the world champ. Hell, you can even award an NBA Finals MVP for whoever was the best player in the series, but you also come up with a playoff MVP. Somebody who was the best damn player throughout the playoffs. Clearly, it's not going to go to some guy who had one good series and got knocked out in the first round. But for somebody who just put on from start to finish, i.e., if there was an NBA version of the Conn Smythe Trophy, or as I would call it this year, the Bron Smythe Trophy, because LeBron James, barring some sort of meltdown in the finals, or Kevin Durant, or Steph Curry goes absolutely insane during the finals. LeBron James is your playoff MVP. So much so that at the end of the finals, even if Golden State wins, and by the way, I'm picking the Warriors to win this series, even if Golden State wins, I would hand the playoff MVP trophy to LeBron James. The NBA needs to do that. That's my suggestion. I don't give a damn about parity in the NBA because we know that's never going to happen. The league's not built for that to happen. The league is built to have the haves and the have-nots. And the worst place to be in the NBA is like where the Pistons are or where the Thunder are or where the the Clippers are headed, and that's in the middle. You don't want to be a team that's in the middle. You don't want to be the Sacramento Kings. You don't want to be the Detroit Pistons or the Chicago Bulls. You want to either be the Cavs, the Warriors, the Spurs, or you want to be the Lakers or the Sixers. If you're, Or you could get lucky and be like Boston, where you're near the top of the league, but you're not good enough to win, but you're sitting here squatting on the picks of a terrible team like Brooklyn. It's one or the other. The NBA Finals start tonight. I would love nothing more than to have another high-powered seven-game series like we got last year. We're getting six games this year going to be the same result as 2015 the Warriors will close this thing out in Cleveland in game six to get their second NBA title in three years and there will be no excuses coming out of Cleveland this time about injuries
The Warriors are the better team. LeBron is the better player. And because of that, I wouldn't be shocked at all if this thing went seven. I wouldn't be shocked at all if somehow Cleveland pulled the trick and stole another title from them. But the Warriors are too much for them. Talent-wise, they're too much. Down low, they're too much of a problem. Outside of Tristan Thompson, who the hell else is getting rebounds and boards? Kevin Love ain't getting his ass down there, and LeBron can only do so much. Irving versus Curry is going to be magic. Magic, damn it. But if Klay Thompson rediscovers his shot, Warriors win this series in six. Cleveland's got to understand they can't take a night off like they did against Boston and expect to be able to be good to go. Because they essentially took two games off against Boston and ended up winning the second one because Boston just, they, they, they weren't built for this. You mess around and give essentially two games to the Warriors, they'll hand you three L's. And this time they'll get the fourth W. Warriors and six. Suck it, Cleveland. My name is Jay Scott Smith. And coming up after this quick break, I have an update on what we talked about in episode 40 as more information has come out from the foolishness going on at my alma mater, Michigan State University. Doc Ills will take us into this break. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is episode 41 of JSC Radio, and we'll be back after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows, such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. I hope everybody understands that how, how serious that we are taking this relative to our football program and, and what we're trying to do. I hope everybody understands that it's not business as usual. That everything that we've done is has been done now collectively. We've got to teach people that to play defense and tackle and things. We've got to do our day-to-day things, but to come out here and, and have our players be interviewed and 
act like there's nothing going on. I just think it's inappropriate, and that's why I haven't done it. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back to episode 41 of the People's Podcast right here on jscottsmith.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. By the way, once again, shout out to my man Doc Illingsworth. You can go to illingsworks.com to get all the Illingsworth merch. Check out all his music on Bandcamp. Be sure to support that boy. He does amazing damn work. I mean, just listen to this for a second. Y'all already know what I'm talking about in here. Be sure to show love to him, and if you want to get your music, your original music on the show, hit me up. Jason at jscottsmith.com. Shoot me a link to your music. Send me some MP3s, and let's see what we can do here. So, no, your ears aren't deceiving you. You heard Mark D'Antonio there to open up the second half of this week's show. And I am going to hit y'all with a follow-up to episode 40, what we were talking about with Michigan State University and its ongoing issues, you name it, seemingly with sexual assault as apparently some more stuff is fleshed out in the last couple of weeks to show you that it might actually be getting worse before it gets better up in East Lansing. But had something kind of happen while we were on break here that came to my attention, and uh, I feel the need to address this. Apparently, LeBron James, as we were talking about the NBA Finals, LeBron James owns a house in Los Angeles. Now, why am I talking about the house that LeBron James owns in Los Angeles? The reason I'm talking about the house that LeBron James owns in Los Angeles is because it was vandalized with racist graffiti. Somebody went to one of LeBron James's houses and spray-painted a racial slur, you know, Everybody's favorite racial slur that rhymes with the word trigger or chigger or bigger, whichever one you choose to use. You know which one I'm talking about. Not going to say it here. This just pisses me off. Just did an episode a few weeks ago about the city of Boston and their legendary racism and what those Red Sox fans did to Adam Jones. And in the aftermath of what happened to Adam Jones, of course you have the zipper heads who insist that, oh, racism isn't that bad, oh, it's overblown. And you even have the morons like Kurt Schilling and Jason Whitlock who seem to think that, A, you're either making it up, or B, if you speak out about the racism, it's counterproductive and it makes you the racist. I don't even know what to say about this. Well, I mean, I do, but it involves a whole lot of profanity and saying a whole lot of nasty things. But I don't want to go that route. But you make it real damn difficult to do so. What the hell is this? Is this 1958 in South Carolina or Georgia or Boston where if you're black and you live in a nice neighborhood, you get a racial slur spray painted on your house? What the hell's next? What, is Chris Paul going to get a cross burned on his lawn? Really? Is this the world we decided to empower now? And don't give me this, 
LeBron is wrong for speaking out nonsense, Jason Whitlock. He's an embarrassment to dudes named Jason, and I'm not even trying to be funny here. I remember there was a time when Jason Whitlock was an intelligent black voice in media. It was a long time ago. Somehow along the way, he abandoned ship on being an intelligent, rational black voice. Now he's full-on Uncle Ruckus doing his thing with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio. That's as far as I'm going to go in even dignifying that dude on this show. But what I will do, rather than sit here and let me go on and on about this, simply put, the LAPD is investigating a racial slur that was spray-painted on the front gate of his Los Angeles-owned house as he prepares for the game tonight, NBA Finals. LeBron, during a press conference for NBA Finals Media Day in Oakland, probably didn't expect to have to be answering questions like this, but he gave a pretty damn powerful answer when asked to address the racial slur that was spray painted on his damn house. I mean, as I sit here on the eve of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, on the eve of one of the greatest uh, sporting events that we have in sports, um, race and what's going on comes again. But I mean, I look at it as this. I mean, if it's if this is the shed of light and. Uh, continue to keep the conversation going on my behalf, then then I'm okay with it. You know, my family is safe. Um, at the end of the day, they're safe, and that's the most important. But it just goes to show that um, that racism uh, will always be a, a part of the world, a part of America. You know, hate, you know, in America, especially for African-American, is, uh, is living every day. And even though that you know, that it's concealed most of the time. Even though people hide their faces and will say things um, about you and when they see you, they smile in your face. Um, it's alive every single day. And, um, and I think back to Emmett Till's mom, actually. It's kind of one of the first things I thought of. And, and the reason that she had an open casket is because she wanted to show the world um, what her son went through as far as a hate crime. And, you know, being black in America. So it's like it doesn't, no matter how much money you have, uh, no matter how famous you are, no matter how many people admire you, you know, being, being black in America is, it's tough. And we got a long way to go, you know, for, for us as a society and for us as African Americans until we, until we feel equal. Um, in America, and um, you know, but my family is safe, and um, you know that's what's that's what's important. LeBron summed it up better than I could, and with a lot more poise than I would have shown. Truth be told, I don't know how I would have reacted, but it's almost like I I know and I recognize that tone in his voice. I'm able to turn off the whole LeBron. Curry thing for a second here. And this is just black man to black man thing. I know that tone of voice. That that tone of resignation in his voice. That, that sound of disappointment in his voice. That feeling that a lot of us as black people, as African Americans, if you will, have felt in this country. 
even the ones who are wastefully in denial like Charles Barkley and Jason Whitlock. LeBron James is essentially this generation's Michael Jordan. And that this generation's Michael Jordan has to deal with the type of shit that Bill Russell was putting up with and Wilt Chamberlain was putting up with and pretty much every other Oscar Robertson, I'm sure, dealt with it and every other black player in the 1950s and 60s had to put up with in 2017. That resignation in his voice, it's almost like you can feel good, you can feel great, you can have a everything going for you, you can feel on top of the world, and then you have something come by and remind you that you're still black in America. And it's just gross. And it sucks. Because I've had to have that kind of tone of voice. I've had to be reminded in no uncertain terms that I'm still black. For LeBron, it's cu- it's finding out that one of your million-dollar homes got vandalized with a racial slur. For me, it's being followed around Michigan State's campus by a police officer for committing the crime of buying a Whopper at 2 o'clock in the morning. Or being pulled over for doing 45 miles an hour in a 50-mile-an-hour zone. It's whatever needs to happen just to remind you that you're still not welcome here. And the conversation of race is going to go on whether or not sellouts like Jason Whitlock, whether or not buffoons like Kurt Schilling, whether or not Twitter troglodytes, as my man Mauro Ranallo would say, would take a fit to all this. And by the way, I get a kick out of people who get offended when you dare to call out racism, when you dare to call out prejudice, when you call out obvious double standards. They have a lot of excuses for racist BS. They got a lot of excuses for their behavior. But God forbid you call them on it and suddenly it's a federal crime. I applaud LeBron for getting up there and saying something about this because it's bullshit. And to be expected to keep your mouth shut and just play this game and let's just talk sports, let's talk about strategy. Shut up. It's easy for you to say. Because you ain't got to deal with this crap like we do all the time. Like Latinos do all the time. Like Muslims do all the time. Like Arab Americans and Asian Americans have to deal with all the time. Shut your hole. Period. Hopefully they'll figure out who the who the asshat is who did this. But it's a damn shame that in 2017, I still have to sit here on this podcast and waste valuable time and bandwidth talking about these buffoons, talking about people doing the same ignorant things that they were doing 50 years ago and 40 years ago and 60 years ago. Like nothing's changed. I give Bron all the credit in the world for speaking and keeping his composure because Lord knows they would have needed a seven-second delay if somebody does that to my place. And there's no easy way to transition over to the other half of what I was going to talk about on part two of this show. But I'm going to do it because I'm a damn professional. And it's not like it's a subject matter that's any lighter than racism. Because last last time I joined you a couple weeks ago, episode 40, the episode titled This is Sparta about Michigan State University, I talked about some of the issues that they've had. The two big issues dealing with sexual assault. 
one revolving around the MSU football program and the other revolving around Dr. Larry Nasser, who is facing 28 charges of sexual assault because he molested teens and young women for more than 20 years. And it appears that Michigan State University either tacitly or openly enabled and covered up this this awful shit he was doing. So it's it's tough to talk about this. It was tough to talk about it in episode 40. And especially in the two weeks since I've done that show to have another report come out about another Spartan getting caught out here sexually assaulting somebody. In this case, it's Keith Mumphrey. He was a wide receiver who, I recall, he scored a huge touchdown in the Big Ten Championship game win over Ohio State in 2013. This guy had since finished up his time at MSU, he graduated, now he plays for the Houston Texans. But he was still coming back to the school to do graduate studies, to go through and get his master's degree. Like I did. I got my master's degree at Wayne State University in Detroit. Nothing wrong with going back and getting your master's degree. What the problem is, is that Mr. Mumphrey got himself expelled and banned from Michigan State's campus as the result of, and wait for it, the investigation into the report of a sexual assault. The ban was a stipulation of Mumphrey's 2016 expulsion from MSU for violating the school's relationship, violence, and sexual misconduct policy. This is according to the Detroit Free Press. Mumphrey's case is the third to become public in the last two years related to a sexual assault surrounding a member or members of the Michigan State football program. What the f*** is going on in East Lansing? My God. You can add this onto the three players who were suspended from the team for being accused of sexual assault. You can add this onto Curtis Blackwell, who they finally fired earlier this week for his role in apparently either trying to cover it up, trying to hide it, trying to interfere. I don't know what the hell he did because they haven't said anything. He joins Austin Robertson, who was kicked off the team, who is facing third-degree criminal sexual conduct charges. What the hell's going on here? The apparent assault occurred before a pro day workout at MSU prior to the 2015 NFL draft. Mumphrey eventually ended up with the Houston Texans. What occurred, and this is coming from the free press, is that, and it's tough for me to read as always, is that Mumphrey sexually assaulted her in the dorm room. Now, the Free Press said that the documents are saying the police talked to the woman and Mumphrey and they offered, quote, conflicting accounts of who was the aggressor and whether the elements of their sexual behavior were consensual. The woman filed the police report on St. Patrick's Day 2015. University police passed the case to the Ingham County Prosecutor's Office, who at that time, by the way, was Stuart Dunnings. Stuart Dunnings is now in jail for going after underage prostitutes and, and, also, for lack of a better term, pimping them out. 
Now remember that. Remember that point when I bring up that no charges were ever brought against Mumphrey for the sexual assault. None. Because, quote, the case could not be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. The woman didn't return contact to the police, and the investigation was officially closed on June 23, 2016, almost one year ago. That left this case solely in the hands of MSU's internal Title IX process, which has a much lower burden of proof akin to a civil lawsuit and Michigan State judged by a three-person panel. The exact decision made by the panel wasn't given in the free press, but it says that the Vice President of Student Affairs emailed Mumphrey on June 7th of 2016 to notify him he was in violation of the university policy and was expelled. He can no longer enroll in any course at MSU, thus killing any plan he had to re-enroll in the graduate program, and he's banned from MSU's campus. Any function, he cannot set foot in East Lansing until 2019. I said it before, now say it again. What the hell is going on in East Lansing? I know things like this happen in other campuses. The University of Michigan had a run like this a few years ago. Ohio State has had issues with this. We all know about Penn State. But what the hell, MSU? And it seems to be the same kind of pattern. Once is bad. But this is now three different cases, dude. Mark D'Antonio, you got to get control of your damn players. Yes, even your players who are on their way out to the NFL draft. What the hell? It's like every week there's something different, and that's not even getting into Larry Nasser, where the Lansing State Journal just put out a very comprehensive and damning piece further backing up what we talked about on the last episode about how young girls in either MSU's program or the Twist Stars gymnast program in Diamonddale just outside of Lansing or USA Gymnastics complained of Nasser's improper touching and full-on molestation and sexual assault of these young women and these girls. And it seemed like MSU was taking a blind eye to this whole thing with former coach Kathy Clagus aggressively taking a blind eye and trying to silence these girls. One of these girls saying that Clegus made her feel like she had a dirty mind for daring to speak up because she felt something was wrong. I love MSU. I keep saying it. But I'm not going to bury my head in the sand and keep defending crap like this. You have to do better. This country needs to do better. We need to do better for our children. We need to do better for our minorities, for our women, for ourselves. Whether it's dealing with the numerous issues of sexual assault that just seem to be going rampant around MSU's campus or the rampant racism that is slowly but surely getting a grip out here. For, for the love of God, a noose was found in the African-American Museum at the damn Smithsonian. But I got people trying to tell me that we're overblowing the race thing. Or somebody saying LeBron deserved it because he said something bad about Trump. Come on. Is that where we are as a country? Are we really that big a bunch of lowlifes and scumbags? Is that where we are? I, I just want to know. 
Is that where the hell we are? Because we got to do a hell of a lot better than this. I would love to get on here and strictly talk about the NBA Finals, but you make it very difficult when you keep doing stupid things like this. I'd love to sit here and go on and on about why the hell the NBA insists on starting NBA Finals games that start in the Eastern Time Zone at 9 p.m. Oh, but what about the West Coast? Look, if you're in Oakland and that game starts at 5 p.m. local time, what are you going to do? You're going to get off work early. You're going to go watch the Warriors. You're going to go watch those dubs. Lakers ever get back to the finals in L.A.? Guess what? You'll watch that game at 5 p.m. local time. Move that game back one hour to 8 p.m. Unless that game is starting in Oakland, start the game at 8 p.m. I'd love to talk about that. But instead, I have to sit here and talk about my damn university, my damn alma mater, deciding that, you know, Let's, let's shove all that rape stuff under the rug. Let's get a football team full of guys who can't seem to not rape a woman, allegedly. Let's have the biggest damn superstar athlete on the planet get a racial slur sprayed on his damn house the day before the NBA Finals. Let's do that. Let's have some fun with that instead. We got to do better. We've got to do better in this country. We've got to do better overall, man. My name's Jay Scott Smith. I'm telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Help control the pet population. And always have your pet spader neutered. And we are out of here. Be back next week. Episode 42. Who knows where we're going to be in the NBA Finals by that point. But, um... Hopefully, I won't have to keep talking about this bullshit over and over again. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.